You know, I don't think you realize just how very fortunate, how very deeply fortunate we are as a congregation to have such a wonderful team of folks uh, who make worship happen every week. Two weeks ago and last week, I needed to be gone in various places. And the fact that we had such powerful preaching uh, from James and then last week from Mark Hayes, It's really a blessing to know that that exists, that we have behind the scenes people who are working to make things happen, and that we have in front of the scenes people that give us this beautiful music week after week and help us to connect to God. I just don't, you know, there, I I was suggesting to a friend of mine, a clergy person friend of mine the other day, you know, I have at least 12 people at St. James I could call on to preach for me and have no challenge at all asking them to preach. No, no challenge whatsoever to step away. Uh, and they were like, 12, really? And I was like, well, probably 12 doesn't even come close to how many I could, I could ask and would probably say yes and bring a powerful message. So that's a, that's a powerful statement about God's work, God's call, God's uh, movement in our lives. About three years ago, uh, at the, you know, at the end of September, so really was pretty much three years ago, I had applied to go uh, to a two-year school with three taught with, by three core teachers who I consider to be spiritual masters, people who know Christ, who live into that in their everyday lives. Father Richard Rohr, uh, Dr. Cynthia Bergeau, and uh, Dr. Jim Finley. Uh, I just call, you know, we just call them Richard, Cynthia, and Jim. Um, and I was sure three years ago after I'd applied, well, first of all, I wasn't sure I was going to get in because uh, that's, that's always possible that it won't. Uh, you know, so you put yourself through a process of discernment. First, you discern whether you want to apply, then you apply, then they discern whether your application is something that they can accept. That they, and so they did. I'm very fortunate. Uh, I got word uh, the next year that I had been accepted. But I expected somehow that by sitting at the feet of those, uh, proverbially, I didn't really sit at the, you know, I, well, they, I suppose, so. it, it doesn't really matter. I, I expected that they would infuse me with some kind of powerful spirit. Being near them would infuse me, transform me, change me. Uh, and the truth is, what they told me is, we're pretty ordinary and you're pretty ordinary. We're gonna accompany you in our ordinary connection and help you discover how you can work out your sense of connection with God. Uh, This is not something we can just give you. We can give you teaching, but you have to decide whether or not you'll practice. You have to decide. And so uh, two weeks ago, I got sent. There is no graduation from the living school. There is only sentness into the world uh, with a new set of practices that shape my life. Now, to kick off this series, uh, and I entitled this sermon, Beginning the Path, we start where we are. Because that's the journey of faith. You start where you are. 
You may say, well, I felt that call, blah, 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 or I have responded at this point in my life, or I said yes to Jesus 30 years ago. Well, good for you. Guess when you begin the path? Right now. You got out of bed this morning. You're watching us on the live stream. You begin now. Every moment is a new beginning where you can say yes all over again. That yes 30 years ago was really nice, but that was 30 years ago. If you're not still saying yes, if you're not still saying yes, you're not moving forward on the path. We begin where we are right now. So I thought a good way of, of beginning this series was to begin with some words from uh, Paul. Now, if you're like me, you have a love-hate relationship with Paul. There are moments that you think, oh my gosh, why did he write that? And there are moments you think, oh my gosh, he was a spiritual genius. And there are moments when you've probably heard a preacher preach when you say, oh my gosh, they're a spiritual genius. And moments when you hear him preach, you say, oh my gosh, why did he say that? Why did she say that? You know, that is the journey of faith for all of us. But a place to begin for me is the tail end of last week's reading. Mark did such a wonderful job with, uh, with uh, Philippians chapter 2. But there are verses 12 and 13 in chapter 2 of the letter of Paul to Philippi that I wanted to share with you as we begin this journey. We're not going to look at the extraordinary calls, although probably every biblical call is extraordinary. But, you know, if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I want a burning bush like Moses. Oh, my gosh, why can't I have a blinding light on the road to Damascus like Paul? Uh, if you're thinking you didn't get one of those and maybe you're not called because you didn't get one, I'm here to tell you, especially over the next weeks in this series, to share with you some biblical calls that are, some of them are comical, some of them are matter-of-fact, and some of them don't even seem to come from God and yet are an invitation to respond. So we're looking at Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you just verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's short. I'm reading it to you one more time. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good and pleasure. This is a reading for this morning, thanks be to God. You know, if you're familiar with the works of Paul, and if you've spent any time reading Paul or studying theology of any kind, if you've ever heard a sermon in your life about Paul and James, 
not this James or that James, but the book of James, you know, they always talk about the distinction between them two, but, you know, James is all about working out your faith. Work, work, work. Faith without works is dead. And Paul is all about grace, 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 grace. Don't worry about what you do. Worry about grace, grace, grace. And yet in these two verses I just read to you today, Paul uses the word work not once, not twice, but three times. In two verses, he uses the word work. And you, you know, if you want to water, try to water down Paul, you can't translate those words that were originally in Greek as anything else but work. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work. For it is God who works in you. For it is God who gives you the will and the work to bring that salvation to full good pleasure. Work, work, work. I grew up with kind of this sense that once I said yes to faith, I had it made. You know, I grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia. We're, we're not really the buckle of the Bible belt by any stretch of the imagination, but we're south of the Mason-Dixon line, so sort of bible -y. sort of a bible place. And I had all of these Baptist friends. I still do. And they're all Baptists. And they told me, once saved, always saved. Isn't that good news? And it's like, that sounds really nice. Except, you know, what if you say yes and then you act like a jerk the whole rest of your life? Was that yes all that it took? Or has something else got to happen? And apparently something else has got to happen if you're going to listen to Paul, chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds pretty serious to me. So if I've ever given you the impression in my 28 and a quarter years serving at St. James that it was all just say yes and it's all good, I gave you uh, wrong information. It was a lie out of my mouth if I ever said it. And I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. Because your yes becomes the work of a lifetime. Your yes invites you to say yes again and again and again and again, even when you don't want to. In the beginning, when you say yes, the first time you say yes, I suspect, it's euphoric. You're flying high. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm up here with the Spirit. Woo, look down there on all those ordinary peons. Oh, they wish they could be flying on the mountaintop with me. You know, and then suddenly, life hits you. Yeah, it may, it's kind of a honeymoon thing. You know, it's a hormone thing a little bit. You get excited, filled with that spiritual feeling. And then you got to go through ordinary life every day. After a while, it's like, you know, I'm not feeling anything today. I guess I don't have faith anymore. I guess I don't have God anymore because I'm not feeling it. If I have learned anything in the year, two years I spent in the living school and in all the readings I've done, from the desert mothers and fathers to Teresa of Avila to Mother Teresa, it is you have to work it even when you don't feel it. You have to keep working out your faith even when you don't feel it. And we're a feeling people, let's just be honest. We're just a feeling people. We consume what we want, and when we, don't, uh, when we don't have enough of it, we want some more, 
And then once we've consumed whatever it is we consumed, we discover that wasn't what we were wanting, so we want something else to consume, and we just consume, consume, consume. Once that church has given us all that we're interested in, we go find a new church. I'm tired of the message of that guy or that gal. I'm going to go find me a new one because maybe I'll get that spiritual excitement again. Maybe it's not the person who's preaching that's your problem. It's you. <laughs> maybe you're not working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Maybe you're not working it. Now, this is not a guilt sermon. You're like, oh, my gosh, James, are you going to hit us with this guilt upside the head? I'm not working. I'm not working. I'm not showing up. Listen, I know you're showing up every day. And these last six months of showing up is really, really hard. You know, can we be honest with each other? Showing up every day when we don't show up anymore is hard showing up. I don't know how many more Zoom calls I can make. I guess as many as God empowers me to make because that's what I live. That's what I live. I go to meetings. I was in a meeting recently that lasted three and a half hours on Zoom. Three and a half hours on Zoom. Now, it was a good meeting. Uh, it was a good meeting. And uh, the moderator of the meeting was aware that three and a half hours is a long time to sit in front of a computer screen. So we got breaks. Hey, take a, take a biology break. You know, whatever you have to do to take care of your biology, go do it. Two minutes. Can't we have like 15? No, two minutes. Okay. Two minutes. Off we went. Two minutes. We came back. It's just not the same. It's not the same. But it's what we've got. It's what we've got. And we are called to work it out. To work out with what we have right now. Because what you have right now, it's enough to work it out. God didn't say, work it out after I've given you a little bit more. Work it out right where you are. Work it out now. And what are you working out? Salvation. Now, here's a word that's uh, challenging for me. I, you know, I have my good friends in the world who are atheists and agnostic who ask me regularly, regularly what to uh, say from what? What is that word? I said, well, let's go back to the word. Let's go back to what the word salvation really is, the origin of that word. Salvation is healing, wholeness, completeness, it's reconciliation, it's, uh, it's recovery. Uh, you're saved from your alienation, from God and yourself and from each other. You're saved because you come to take yourself more seriously and God more seriously. And in so doing, God brings healing into your life and wholeness a sense of how loved you already are. If you're watching this video and you don't believe in God, it's perfectly all right. Right now, where you are, God loves you. I, I've told this story a million times, and it's absolutely true. Every once in a while, in the midst of teenaged angst, daughters say to their fathers things that they would not say to another living human being. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Now, let's just be honest. When you're a teenager and hormones are rushing through your body, girl or boy, if you say I hate you, what you really mean is I'm so angry with you, I can't see straight. Not I hate you. And I knew that. Fortunately, you know, when Hannah would say that to me, and she didn't say it often, 
Uh, and if Hannah, if you're watching, sorry, I've got to tell a story about you. You know, she doesn't hate me now. Um, I knew she wasn't, she didn't mean she hated me. And my response, which usually infuriated her, it just made her worse. I was like, well, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the way God feels about you right now. <laughs> I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it except respond. Except respond. Love me back. Love me back. That's what God wants. That's what salvation is, is recognizing you're already loved. That God made you to be the person that you are and that that person is a gift. That you're a part of something so much bigger than you are. And if you'd only sing the song of love that God has given you, specifically you, then the universe would be a beautiful place. A little bit more beautiful because you're singing that song. Because you're singing that song. So working out your salvation, your healing, your wholeness, your reconciliation with God, yourself and your neighbors, and the world in which we live, we're meant to do that with fear and trembling. That we need to take. What I hear in fear and trembling is not that you're supposed to cower in fear in your closet, close the door, and hide. It's just take it seriously. This salvation thing is more than just a rubber stamp yes on a Sunday morning when they dip you in some water and pull you back out. It's got to be something that brings hope and transformation to you. And not only to you, you become a reflection of God's goodness to all those you meet every single day. That's how you work your salvation out with fear and trembling. You talk to God, but even more important than talking to God, you listen for God. You look for God everywhere you go. When you go to the grocery store and you see that unappreciated person who is checking you out, who is making minimum wage to be on the front lines of a pandemic, you're seeing the hands of Christ. You are receiving grace. Now, they may not see themselves that way, but you can see them that way. Every blade of grass, every flower that blooms. We were walking by a house that's three doors down here on our way to Sunday morning worship because Linda and I walk now because we don't have to bring all this stuff because there's only six, seven of us in the worship center. So we did. We stopped. Well, they have roses blooming in the front yard. This is a relatively new thing. Like six months ago, they planted roses in front of the house where there was this beautiful white rosebud that had just popped open, maybe just this morning. And I, you know, we were in a rush. We were walking, walking, walking. We're walking, we're walking, we're stopping. Uh, Linda's like now 10 feet ahead of me, and I said, I've got to stop and smell this rose. So I bent over and smelled it. Oh, it smelled beautiful. And it reminded me of the beautiful fragrance of God's love for me. It doesn't have to remind me of that. It could just remind me of a wonderful smelling rose. But I can't help but see God's love for me in the smell of that rose. Now, someday, if I really want to know God's love, if I really get to that place, I can be able to smell garbage and know God's love for me. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. Just want to tell you, when I smell the garbage, I know it's got to go out. It's got to go out to the trash can and close that door. But someday, maybe I will smell that, and I'll recognize even... In the foulest moments, God loves me. 
There is nothing I can do to stop that. Nothing to stop that flow. Because God loves me. And God loves you. So I want to work that out. I want to be open to that in every moment. I want to experience that love in every moment. Now, I haven't gotten there yet. If I'm really truthful with you, I just haven't gotten to a place where I experience that every single moment. Which means there's room for me to grow. And if you're not experiencing Christ in every single moment, there's room for you to grow too. There's room for all of us to grow. All of us have room to grow if we'll take it seriously. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Trusting that God's at work with you. Now let's just be honest about something about salvation. This is not something you do. I'd love to tell you it's you do because this is, this is the hard part. You're not earning a space in heaven by how much you work or how much you do or how much you change the world because God just wants that for you. God put you here, you can do that. God, you, you are cooperating with the God who's already been working on you. God has been working on you through the power of the Spirit long before you ever say yes. You are certain when you walk up that Sunday morning to say yes, I finally came to my senses. Well, yeah, you did. However, it's been God who's been at work at you, kind of, kind of working. Kind of, you know, have you ever seen a really rough stone? Well, it takes a long time, so you probably haven't. You know, but you go, to the, you go to a little creek bed or you go to a big river and you find a stone. I have a couple of them at home that are really worn down over time and they're just really smooth. And you think, wow, isn't this beautiful, this smooth stone? It didn't start out smooth. Chances are pretty good it started out really rough. Really, really rough. And then over time, that movement of the, of the, of the river over time, that movement of the Spirit in each one of us wears us down. God chases us until we catch him. God chases us until we catch him. Because God just loves us. And God's not chasing us with some kind of pitchfork, like to jab us, to make us feel bad. God just wants us to know that in God, we live and move and have our being. That's another thing Paul said. In God, we live and move and have our being. We are wrapped up in God's love everywhere we go, but we don't see it. We don't experience it because our eyes, we're busy planning for the moment 10 minutes from now or regretting that we didn't stop for the rose when, that we passed on the way. I was on my way somewhere today, I saw this beautiful rose, and now James is telling me he stopped for the rose. Why didn't I stop for the rose? Get over it. That was so 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Get over it. Next time you see a rose, maybe it'll be something you stop for. And maybe you'll be too busy to stop for it again. I don't know. But you see, this work of salvation is something you've got to work at. You've got to keep opening yourself up. You've got to keep risking and you've got to keep trusting. And let me just tell you what. You keep risking and sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it is going to hurt. Sometimes that risk is not going to pay off the way you expected it to. Now that's part of the problem of attaching expectations to the risks you take. I expect this to come out on the other side. And so, you know, God, I will do this for you if you do that for me. 
Well, God doesn't work like that. God loves you no matter what, but you don't always get what you want. God is not Santa Claus in the sky. God loves you and wants to invite you to a place where you recognize, you know, what I have right now, who I am right now, this person you made me to be, this is enough. This is enough. And this now, this is enough. Because you're working it out in me, and I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to do my best to be open to whatever you're doing. The movement of the Spirit, as it drags me along, pushes me along, lifts me up, reminds me of who I am and whose I am. That's the power, the power of this gift of healing, wholeness, salvation. God wants us to experience. Yes, we've been wounded. Wounded in life, wounded by life, wounded by others in our life. God wants to see us find healing. Part of finding that healing is facing the brokenness that we carry. Stop pretending you can carry it all on your shoulders. Trust that God is with you. You know, one of the, one of the wise sayings that's really hard to hear and it was one of the very first things that Jim Finley said to us. And, you know, the wise, one of the wise teachers that I, I looked at, uh, that I sat at his feet during the living school. He sat on a little stage 10 feet from me. And he looked out at all of us in the deepest kind of love that you can tell he was connected to God. He hope you all are. And he said... This is the hard part of faith. God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. I'm not sure that's the deal I signed. I expected some protection. I wanted a shield that was going to keep me from experiencing any pain. If that's what I was hoping for, then I didn't really look at Jesus very closely. This was a man who experienced a lot of pain. And he loved God from before birth. <laughs> and he experienced a lot of pain, a lot of struggle. Even at the very end, can we do this another way, God? In the Garden of Gethsemane, take this cup away from me. I don't want to drink this. I've changed my mind. However, not my will. Yours. God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. And part of learning to accept that, to live into that, and to be thankful for it, the sustenance, the sustaining us, even in the darkest, most challenging moments of our lives, is by working out our faith. I can't fix myself. So I give up my desire to fix myself and keep entrusting myself into God's hands. God, I can't fix this. I love you. I love you. I can't. You must. And sometimes God fixes things. And sometimes they don't get fixed. And I don't understand it. Paul complained his whole life. 
that he had a thorn in his side that he had asked to be taken away and it didn't get taken away. Take it away. So my friends, over the next weeks together, we're going to look at all these interesting stories of people who responded to ordinary everyday calls. No burning bushes, we're not gonna talk about the burning bush, I might mention it, but, and we're not talking about lights, blinding lights on the road. We're gonna talk about the ordinary kinds of calls that various people experienced to be a part of what God was doing. So I hope you'll continue to join us on this journey over the weeks ahead. I'm excited by it. I am excited to invite you to begin right where you are on this journey, this path, to follow in the way of Jesus. Even if you've been following it for 30 years, 50 years, 15 minutes, to invite you to be a part of it.